Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before God, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this. Let it depart from the tents of your holy nation and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. May this service be presented into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Before we continue to submerge into our inheritance, the great depths, the unchanging epigraph of our study of the word in Jesus Christ is the book of Luke 24, 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And so that we, as the participants of the body of Christ, would share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in the heart, what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. This was the goal of God to live in the house that he built. He built it in Adam, but he couldn't immediately live in Adam because he was still a carnal man. He needed to leave his carnal state so he can become a spiritual man so that God can live in him. Unfortunately, it happened, but not immediately because being a man that was flesh, he was tempted by the devil and he fell. And then God showed his mercy and offered his redemption in the death of his son. In those uh, clothing of skins, this was a symbol of the death of the son of God that he received so that he can just be justified by faith. <clears throat> you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts and be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, created by God into righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 4, 22-24. This is the calling of every person 
who is called to the family of God, a person who will not comprehend this calling will be removed from the family. He will not be able to be the family of God because you can't be a family of God not having cast off of yourself the old man. How can a person be the family of God? Or as we sing a letter of Christ, it, not everyone can be a letter of Christ, only some. To be a letter of Christ is to be a light to the world, to have king, the kingdom of heaven within yourself. And so unfortunately, not all are a light to the world and not all a letter of Christ. This is our calling. And to fulfill this decreeing commandment, which is our calling, our mutual calling, we need to put three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. These are to put off, be renewed, and put on. Fulfilling these three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental requirements will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. Or more specifically, will our salvation happen? that is given to us in the format of a seed, identifying the down payment of our justification that is given to us in salvation, where we need to turn the three above-mentioned acts into profit within the death of our Lord Jesus, so that our salvation can become our possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Otherwise, we will forever lose the justification that is given to us in the format of that down payment. And our names then as a result, then our names, which were written into the book of life in the format of the given to us down payment when we were we made a covenant with God, will forever be blotted out of the book of life. In a specific format, we already looked at the process contained in the first two requirements and stopped to study the process of the third requirement and specifically what conditions we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of the glory of our new person who is created according to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. <laughs> and so it's not possible to clothe yourself into the new person, not having cast off of yourself the old man first. If Elisha would not have torn his clothes, then he would not have been able to take the mantle of Elijah and put it on himself so that the whole spirit of the Lord would come upon him. M more likely, if he would have done this, if he would not have torn his clothes and he had put on the mantle, God would have killed him in that place because not having cast off of yourself the old man and trying to clothe yourself into the new man is dangerous. Relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit, with the wisdom and authority that He alone has, reveals the demands according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon or God Most High because David in this Psalm turns to God and calls Him El Elyon, translated as Most High, and this condition consists in us calling upon the Most High as to our God and proclaiming the faith of our heart when we are in the circumstances of our tight situation, casting off the old man. We call upon him, stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, who we are to God in Jesus Christ, and what do we need to do so that we can inherit all that God has done for us 
<coughs> in Jesus Christ. Sometimes people come to me and ask, pray to your God that he heal me. And I say, it's useless, he won't heal you. Why? It's needed that he be first your God also. These are people that are not part of our, our church, but for some reason they call me or they come and visit here uh, and they ask that <coughs> I pray for them. And it's interesting, interesting how they ask, pray to your God. Maybe your God will hear. And I ask them, do you hear what you're saying? And they say, well, I can't say he's my God because my life does not correspond to that maybe he will hear you because you live uh, in a holy manner before him. Maybe he'll hear you. But I said, he forbid me for, uh, to pray for a person who lives in sin and does not want to repent for sin. We note that the given allegory is one of the most powerful and, vol and voluminous examples demonstrating the collaboration of, of our renewed mind as King David and the name of God Most High and their violent conflict with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul and also with governing sin who is our old person with his deeds. Three kings in one body. There is a harsh fight, battle going on, going on. The field of battle is our heart and these three kings are trying to take control of our body. And the choice is ours. What king will we uh, consider? Which one will we side with? And the carnal mind has a union with governing sin but does not have a union with the new man. All will depend upon us. In its character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of our legitimate prayer belonging to kings, priests, and prophets. If we are not like this, then our prayers will be the prayers of Hagar in the wilderness, and although we were taught that when we bend our knees, we, are, we enter into the temple or the presence of God, this is not true. You can enter into God's presence if you are a king, priest, and prophet. Not all kings, but if this is a king who is also a priest and a prophet, David was a king, priest, and prophet. And that is why he was able to enter into the Holy of Holies. He put on the garments of the priest and he entered. And they acknowledged him this way, even though he was not from the line of the Levites. That means they received a revelation that from his line, from his seed, the Messiah will rise. And he won't be from the Levites, as we know, he will be from the line of Judah. And he will be the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. The first part identifies the state of the heart of David as a warrior in prayer, which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer belonging to kings, priests, and prophets. In other words, saying, the kind of heart we have is the kind of prayer we will have if our heart is corresponding to the status of a king, priest, and prophet, then our prayer will be that way. Second part opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer itself, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets, which gives God the proper basis to deliver us in the image of David from the hand of all of our enemies. 
from our carnal mind and from the old man who lives within our body, who is the programmable system of the fallen cherubim. The third part illustrates the prayer battle itself, and it, can, it contains an epic genre which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind of man. In a specific format, we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer in eight names of God Most High. Eight is the number of the covenant, and so getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David consisting of the eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so that he can be saved from his enemies. And God getting to know and confessing the truth that opens up the power of his names within the heart of David provided God with the legit basis to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1-4. Eight names of God that identify the relationship of a person with God in the format of a covenant. And in these eight names, we will find all of the names of God that exist, 50 in total. And so we will together confess right now the faith of our heart, who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what that has He done for us, and who we are to Him. Because in these eight names, we will find all of these things. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. Blessed is the Lord. May he confirm these words in our heart and so much so that they be clearly be written that he as the reader would easily be able to read it. When he will be able to easily read it, this gives him the proper basis he needs to use the, the power contained in these names in battle against our enemies to destroy the stronghold of death in our body and erect the stronghold of incorruption in our body. And that is here on earth before we are raptured at the door of our hope. Specifically, this promise is testimony of the fact that we will be raptured. It is the morning star. People who do not have the promise of the transformation of their body from corrupt, corrupt to incorrupt do not have the morning star, don't have this testimony. They want to be raptured. They talk about it. They sing. They pray about it but you need to have testimony that you will be raptured. And this testimony is the acceptance into your heart of the promise, the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. And as you've accepted it into your heart, you've accepted the morning star. And now you will proclaim this promise. Even though it has not yet happened, you proclaim it together with me and you proclaim it as existing. 
and this morning star will then rise in our hearts. It cannot just rise if the promise is not there. The promise is this morning star. And putting it in the format of a seed, when we continue to proclaim and we state and talk about it, then from seed it is then transformed into fruit. It begins to rise upon our horizon as a morning star. And as much as the Lord has allowed and according to the measure of our faith, we already studied our inherited lot in Jesus Christ in the power of five names of God, and these are strength, rock, fortress, deliver, and living rock. And we stop to study our unsearchable inherited lot in Christ Jesus contained in the name of God who is our living shield. Getting to know the eight names of God which identify God's covenant with us is a strategic teaching which is purposed to be the calling of every warrior in prayer, ones that have the virtue of kings, priests, and prophets who are anointed to rule over their earthly body. If a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to govern over his calling, which is his mortal body, in the status of a king, priest, and prophet, so that he can change it into a, hev- into a heavenly body, then, and you can only change it into a heavenly body when you are a king, priest, and prophet, because a king is our renewed mind, priest is our soul, as our spirit and then also the ability to hear the voice of God and allows God to hear us. That's the prophet. And so the revelation about God consisting of his name shield that is purpose for worshiping God in prayer will not benefit him in any way because due to his stiff neck he has refused the given to him by God calling to save his soul so that he can adopt his body by the truth that is contained in the redemption of Christ. I will remind us that when we receive salvation, at this time, there's something new that rises in our body that the scriptures describe as the sacred person or new person. This is the new person, the uh, male infant or male child. And at this time, But until this time, we've already had our old man. And now we have two people, both spiritual, both invisible with our physical eyes. We can't see them or feel feel them physically, but they do live in us. And their characteristics are demonstrated through us, expressed. And although we're born from the seed of the word of truth, being infants, we cannot resist the old man and he demonstrates himself as he wills and so the scriptures say save your souls and if someone has convinced the people that when you receive Christ that they've already received the salvation of their soul they are deceived they receive a guarantee or as it were a down payment of their salvation and this is not evidence of the fact that you are saved or that it is now a possession of yours you you you've brought in a part of that amount but you have to bring in the rest of it the total that you owe before it becomes yours or you own it and so god has given us time and if we don't bring in the rest or the remaining amount within that time frame then we will lose that 
down payment we brought in. Like in this life, when you purchase a house or something else and you don't have the total, you, you bring in your down payment and you promise that you will bring in the rest, you will give them the rest within a certain time frame. And if you don't do that, then you will lose this house. And you say, are you, they ask you, are you ready to then pay the rest within this time frame? You agree and you sign the paperwork. I know uh, many people, even some here, that had lost specific their down payment because they were not able to uh, pay the re remaining balance of what they owed for whatever they were trying to purchase. The same thing happens here. And so we need to understand that we live uh, uh, and time is running out and we say tomorrow, tomorrow, Lord, tomorrow I will, tomorrow I will start. Tomorrow I will begin to go to every service, tomorrow I will go to cell groups, tomorrow I will do everything. And so we make these decisions but <clears throat> then something happens and we justify ourselves and we feel bad and the reason because we're shackled we want to we say it but we can't do it because this old man does not give us the ability to do it <clears throat> he gets in our way and so the name of God in the virtue of our living shield is presented in scripture as a living protection that is ranked in scripture for warriors in prayer as their military armor <clears throat> or weaponry And so, if we are not warriors in prayer, all of these names that we're studying will not be of use to us. They are the mantle, they are the armory or weaponry. Why do we need that armory or weaponry if, if we are not a warrior? The purpose of such a shield is called by God to block us and protect us as warriors in prayer who battle in the interests of the will of God against all enemies within our body as well as outside of our body as well as provoke enmity between ourselves and our enemies so that we can overthrow them and take back what belongs to us that we have lost in the first Adam so that we can reobtain it in the second Adam and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed he shall bruise your your head and you shall bruise his heel Genesis 3:15 The seed of the woman is the word that we receive we have the function of a female the woman to receive the word of God and I will put enmity between you, your seed and hers that's between this word that is in the new person and the word that lives in the old person and these two forms of word will then be contrary to one another they will and the seed of the woman will bruise uh, the head and he will bruise the heel <clears throat> and so he won't be bruising our heel he will be bruising the heel of Christ and we being in Christ will die so that we can resurrect with him so that we can strike him in the head, bruise him in the head, <clears throat> it is necessary to die with Christ because he uh, overcame death with death. 
He overcame death with death. And we, when we count ourselves dead to sin, living for God, at this time, the seed of the woman, the word we've received, it bruises the head of the seed of the serpent whom we have inherited because of the sinful uh, life or seed of our fathers. When the enemy will be pursuing us so that he can put us again back into slavery or try to take us back into slavery when we bruise his head, the name of God in the form of a living shield will immediately stand or intervene between us and our enemies. This is so that he can take the hits upon himself of the vile curse that has been passed on to us by the corrupt seed of the sinful life of our fathers in the flesh. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And so Israel, a warrior in prayer, as we know, if we will be reading, he went before the camp of warriors in prayer. They were warriors. They, of course, did not correspond to this, but this is symbolic because the word Israel is warrior in prayer. These, this is a person who allows the Holy Spirit to pray together with him against the powers of darkness that confront him and are in his way of fulfilling the will of God and so that he can confront these powers as we know that the hip is is broken and Jacob remember uh, his hip was broken so that he not rely upon himself warriors in prayer cannot trust upon themselves or rely upon themselves because the power of the flesh is destroyed in the death of the Lord Jesus the carnal mind is destroyed because he is prideful he's arrogant he does not understand the words of God he is that grandson of Saul who sat at the table with David and so when he he went behind them as we read here and the pillar of the cloud went from before them and stood behind them so it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one and it gave light by night to the other so that the one did not come near the other all that night Exodus 14 19 20 we need to remember this image or this example Although it may seem that he will, the enemy is going to catch up to us and we hear the, these calls and the, these voices and these are our emotions that are uh, stirred up and we're afraid. We don't need to be afraid because between, because between us and our enemies is God. God stands in the status of a living shield. And so the quality in lexicon identifying the name of God shield as with the previous names of God most high is not able to be found in any dictionary of the world so that to be then our living shield so that he can take upon himself the inherited hits or the inherited strikes of the vile curse that pursues us by the sinful seed of our fathers is to protect and block us from the wrath of God protect and block us from the deception of the evil one protect and block us from the evil and slanderous tongue protect and block us from the curse of all nature of illness protect and block us from the curse of poverty protect and block us from the curse of untimely death and the sinful life that was passed on to us from our fathers considering such a tandem or such a union between God and man it becomes vital for us to determine in each aspect of our essence both the role of God and the role of man if we will confuse the roles and this is 
this frequently happens. People are born in Adam uh, in a way they confuse the roles. They confuse God's role with theirs. They fulfill God's role instead of fulfilling their own role. Children are often trying to fulfill the role of the parents. They don't obey them. A wife trying to fulfill the role of the husband, the husband fulfilling the role of the wife. Not having studied their role, we, we will always be falling into these kinds of problems. <clears throat> and for this purpose, as with the previous names of God, called to be the lot of our salvation, we need to study four classical questions which will help us know the essence of our inheritance in the name of God's shield so that we can provide God with legitimate grounds that he needs to use his names in battle for the adoption of our body. First, according to scripture, what are the identifications and qualities of the name of God and the purpose of his glorious name, Shield? Second, what purpose being in the role of our protector did God allocate for himself and what role has he placed upon us? What conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can provide God with a basis to allow us to partake in the unsearchable inheritance of his name, the living shield of our faith. And by what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we are truly collaborating our faith with the faith of God in the virtue of his name, shield. <clears throat> we will remember that all of the uh, deeds of God that, are, uh, that have to do with our salvation or are in relation to our protection are called to happen by collaborating our faith with the faith of God, where we see the role of God in the function of our helper and role of man in the function of the responsible party are clearly identified and outlined. This means that until we fulfill our role, identified in the three above-mentioned acts, God will not have any legitimate basis to fulfill his role so that he can destroy the stronghold of death in our body and replace it with the erection of the stronghold of life. Not having clear and exhaustive responses to these questions, which we are able to receive exclusively by being instructed in faith, we will not have any we will not have any opportunities to turn to profit the silver of the given to us down payment of salvation, so that we can then receive our salvation as a possession in the form of the fruit of righteousness that is grown in the Eden of our spirit. For all of the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us, second Corinthians one twenty. Not a single promise of God is able to happen without acknowledging the word of the apostles and prophets over ourselves. Paul says, without us, not a single promise will work. When people attempt, when they try saying, I in Jesus Christ alone, I don't need anyone, that means you're resisting then, then the will of Christ. One individual wrote a letter, can I give my tithes here and there I'll just give an additional amount she didn't understand what she was doing or asking for she in this way as she does not acknowledge she was not from this church she was from a different place she stumbled upon something she doesn't like something in her own pastor and so she doesn't want to obey him and so she thinks that it's easy to obey a pastor that is on the other side of the world but one that is in your church it's more difficult to listen to and so when you don't obey that pastor then you won't obey this one either I told her I, I said to, to, to respond to her I, to, I told him uh, 
uh, her that she needs to give all of her money to or her tithes to that place where she is. Therefore, without the collaboration of our faith with the powers contained in the name of God's shield concealed within our heart in the format of the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ, we will not be able to please God. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for He for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.6 In a specific format, we already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill to provide God with the proper foundation that he needs to allow us to partake in the unsearchable inheritance of his name, the living, sh- living shield of our faith? Six of the components of the price, giving God the legitimate foundation to allow us to partake in the unsearchable inheritance of his name shield, have already been subjects of our study. Therefore, we will immediately go to the seventh component of the price. I shall remind us of the first six and just their identifications, and we will go on to the seventh. First component of the price consists in fulfilling the condition, giving us the ability to worship the Heavenly Father in spirit and in truth. If we don't have the ability to worship the Heavenly Father in spirit and in truth, God can't be our shield. He is a shield only for those who are warriors in prayer, who who do worship Him in spirit and in truth. If a person does not comprehend how to do this, he is not then a warrior in prayer. If he is a carnal person, he resists the truth. He, He has his own then personal shield. He has his own head, his own opinion, and he will resist uh, the shield of God. The second component of the price consists in the condition to accept the Gadites who come to us to the wilderness to demonstrate for us the power of the name of God and the virtue of our living shield. We, studying the Gadites as spiritual thoughts, spiritual truth uh, that we hear, that we accept, that help us battle against the old man who lives within our body as well as outside of our body. Third component of the price consists in fulfilling the condition of obtaining a righteous heart before God. To be able to obtain a righteous heart before God, it is necessary to cast off of yourself the old man with his deeds, to renew your mind with the spirit of your mind. And after that, when you do this, you deny your soul, then you receive, then you obtain a righteous heart. You don't obtain a righteous heart when you're born again. You receive this down painted of justification, this guarantee of justification, and when you grow it, grow it into fruits of righteousness, then God can become our shield. Fourth component of the price consists in, consists in walking before God. Fifth component of the price consists in the price fulfilling the condition to have hope upon God and upon His Word. Sixth component of the price consists in our trust upon God and upon His Word. The seventh component of the price, giving us the power to the right to partake in the imperishable and unsearchable inheritance of Christ and God, in His name shield, taking the hits that are directed at us by our enemies upon Himself, consists in paying the price for the right to be a warrior in prayer within the rank of a king, priest, and prophet of the Most High. Happy are you, O Israel, warrior in prayer, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. Who does He protect? warriors in prayer. Your enemies shall submit to you, and you shall tread down their high places. Deuteronomy 33.29 And so tread down, that means to tread down upon their will. 
their resisting will. According to the given place, God receives the legitimate basis to be our living shield upon the condition that we paid the price for the power to be warriors in prayer in the status of kings, priests, and prophets. We've noted more than once that a warrior in prayer is always an anointed by God king, priest, and prophet. At the same time, an anointed by God king is not always a warrior in prayer. So, to possess the status of a warrior in prayer, it is necessary to not only be an anointed king, but also be an anointed priest and prophet. Only for warriors in prayer, possessing the virtue of kings, priests, and prophets from every nation, language, tribe, and people, God becomes a shield and is enthroned over all nations through them. God reigns over the nations, God sits on His holy throne, the princes of the people have gathered together, the people of the God of Abraham, for the shield of the earth belongs to God, He is greatly exalted, Psalm 47, 8-9. A warrior in prayer in the form of a king, priest, and prophet is a person who trusts upon God and upon His word, which provides God with legitimate grounds to become a living shield, taking the hits that are directed at warriors in prayer upon Himself. The Lord is my strength and my shield, my heart trusted in Him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I will praise Him. The Lord is their strength, and He is the saving refuge of His anointed. Psalm 28, 7, 8. Every one of us is anointed as soon as we come to God. As soon as we're born again, God anoints our mind, our carnal mind. Because to be able to do something you need your mind, and as your mind is not yet renewed, God anoints it the, the way it is, although he doesn't like him. If you remember, I have anointed Saul in my anger, and I rejected him in my wrath, and so he still needs to be anointed so the nation of Israel can uh, battle against their enemies. God does everything through our mind, whether it be our carnal mind or it be our renewed mind. But if it is carnal, God in His anger anoints Him. It's different in the way God anoints. He anoints kings, but it doesn't mean He favors to all. Uh, he is favorable of these kings, all kings. He anoints the kings of the, of the earth. Anoint, anointing is authority or power. God gives power to kings. He does not give authority uh, in the world there's not many kings as we know and there have never been many kings there are a few of them the rest of the nations or nations that are trying to be nations are, are, are not so and so we are not and so when we're speaking of the nation of God that amongst the nations is not counted it is a kingdom, and the king is God himself. A warrior in prayer, in the form of a king, priest, and prophet, is always a person who trusts upon God and upon his word. First, in scripture, the powers of a warrior in prayer are obtained only by the chosen by God remnant that by the means of the truth of the cross of Christ have separated themselves from their nation, the house of their father, and from the corrupt desires of their soul and in this way cleanse their conscience from dead works to serve the living and true God 
which gives them the right to the power to carry responsibility for their nation, the house of their father, and for their soul. Second, a warrior in prayer is a person who has received into his heart, cleansed from dead works, seed of the kingdom of heaven, by the preached word of the messengers of God. Until our heart is not cleansed, we are not able to receive into our heart the seed of the kingdom of heaven. We will hear it, and even if we say, I, we accept, maybe according to the Lord's word, nothing will happen. It is according to his word when the heart is cleansed. The soil needs to be good, prepared, to be able to sow seed. If the soil is is bad, then other plants are growing there. The seed will not fall into the ground there to grow. Third, a warrior in prayer is a person who has received the Holy Spirit into his heart in the form of the Lord and Master of his life, which has given the Holy Spirit the legitimate grounds upon which to open for him the truth that is imprinted in his heart. Here it's not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's talking about when a person receives the Holy Spirit as Lord and Master. An infant in Christ is not able to receive the Holy Spirit as his master, although he receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaks in tongues. Fulfilling the three above-mentioned conditions, our neck becomes in the likeness of the Tower of David, built for an armory. A thousand bucklers hang on its tower, all shields of mighty men, which gives God legitimate grounds upon which to become a living shield for us so that he can take the hits that are directed at us by our enemies upon himself. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built for an armory, on which hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. Songs of Solomon 4.4 We've heard this, and we will confirm this truth. This is very clearly shown here, the truth. We see how the names of God unite one with the other and find themselves in one the other. We studied in strength, but we also study in shield because the shield of the Lord is also strong. A thousand shields represents the fruit of the Spirit that is grown within our heart from the seed of the kingdom of heaven into the fruit of the tree of life or into the measure of the fullness of growth in Christ, which provides God with, leg- with legitimate grounds by the means of the fruit of our spirit to serve as a living, as our living shield. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew 12:37. when a person is justified by his words, that means his neck is like the Tower of David, and a thousand shields hang on it. Justification. To highlight the symbol of the neck, that is inclined to listening and fulfilling the commandments of God, representing a humble and contrite heart that is different from a stiff neck, representing an arrogant heart, we will bring forth a place of scripture that contains contrary to one another symbols of a neck of a person who is humble and contrite in the heart, as well as a person that is arrogant in heart and stiff-necked. A stiff neck is a symbol of a hardened and rebellious heart that has voluntarily placed itself in dependence of the inherited program of the old man and has refused to fulfill the commandments of the Lord. It lives in emotions. We're talking about people that are born from God. They don't want to live with by the information they receive. They only look at what they feel. 
It doesn't matter what we may feel. Our feelings may be so stirred up, but we need to rise up and look at the information we know and not what emo what our emotions are feeling at that moment. Let us look at the stiff neck. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord his God and did not humble himself. He was a king, he was anointed by God. Why did he not humble himself? He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet who spoke from the mouth of the Lord and he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar who had made him swear an oath by God that he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel. 2 Chronicles 36, 11-13 Nebuchadnezzar, he uh, actually made a, a union with him and he, he made an agreement with him and Prophet Jeremiah said, you need to obey Nebuchadnezzar because we will look at why God forced Israel to obey King Nebuchadnezzar, but he refused to obey him, Zedekiah. And because of this, ten of, ten of his sons were killed before his eyes. They killed uh, his ten sons before him, and then they made him blind, and he was put in prison having lost his ten sons. He had righteousness from the law. Why did he have a stiff neck, the symbol of the ten sons? He was trying to justify himself with what he's doing, not what God has done. We need to list what God has done first in Jesus Christ, not what I do. And so he said, Lord, I'm fulfilling these things and he thinks if he's doing it, that means he is justified. He's he's counting on what he's doing. The thing is, although we may be fulfilling God's commandments, we need to understand that God has already done everything for us. And so fulfilling his commandments, what are we doing? We're performing righteousness. We are not earning righteousness. We already received it freely by grace. The righteous shall be righteous still. The reason was he was not performing righteousness. He was trying to justify himself with his deeds. We are justifying ourselves by what Jesus Christ has done for us. Uh, but he is fulfilling the commandments and trying to justify himself by doing that. And this happens amongst Christians. They can't separate, they think, they justifying themselves. They make up a lot of commandments and laws that are not in Scripture. They take one place of scripture that they can't understand correctly. A woman who prays without a covering on her head, for example. So they have put covers on all of the heads of the women. And all the women have to have their head uh, covered in some way. I remember even as a child, a young man, every day women came to pray. They gathered in groups. And so people would... Uh, uh, pray and, and and sing and sometimes even uh, ridiculous things would take place where they convince the women they have to always have something on their heads and so everybody is grabbing something to put on their head it could be anything just so uh, 
And unfortunately, uh, there was a situation where there was an unclean diaper that was uh, accidentally uh, grabbed in the situation. And uh, it's just a, it's a terrible situation to be in. And the understanding in it is incorrect. Covering is a symbol of acknowledging authority over yourself. Uh, the word hair, the word... Uh, the, the curls on your head or, or the covering on your head of any kind is acknowledging authority over yourself. Hair is given as a covering and in another place it just talks about coverings uh, or any sort of covering on the head. Paul says who is spiritual will discern this, will understand this. He, he explains that. Covering for both men and women is acknowledging God's authority over themselves. A stiff neck. This is a stiff neck. I remember how one who covered her head always said, my husband will walk in line before me. And she was completely covering her head. A stiff neck is a symbol of the corrupt desires of the soul that rule over the reasonable abilities of the soul which identify and feed the corrupt desires of our soul. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. Exodus 32, 9, 10. Moses, of course, uh, told him, told the Lord, Lord, what will the Egyptians say about, about this? that the Lord is not Almighty, that He took them out of the land and could not bring them. And God listened to him in that case. God needed some a middleman, an intercessor, someone to stand in the breach. He, God perfectly knew the law that He's giving them would not make their neck soft. It revealed sin and gave power to sin. But a person tried to drape the sin uh, I will do this and I will make it somehow. I, with my abilities, with my will. What do monks do? They try to finally achieve their righteousness. Stiff neck is a symbol of a haughty heart of the daughters of Zion who have eaten up the vineyards of the Lord of hosts in the form of the poor from his nation and they crush and grind the poor. The Lord will enter into judgment with the elders of his people and his princes, for you have eaten up the vineyards, the plunder of the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the faces of the poor, says the Lord of hosts? Moreover, the Lord says, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with outstretched necks, these elders, he calls them as these daughters in this case, daughters of Zion who are haughty and walk with outstretched necks, and wanton eyes walking and mincing as they go, making a jingling with their feet. Therefore the Lord will strike with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will uncover their secret parts. In that day the Lord will take away their finery, the jingling anklets, the scarves and the crescents, the pendants, the bracelets and the veils, the headdresses, the leg ornaments and the headbands, the perfume boxes, the charms and the rings, the nose jewels, the 
the festal apparel and the mantles, the outer garments and the purses, and the mirrors, the fine linen, the turbans and the robes. And so it shall be instead of a sweet smell, there will be a stench, instead of a sash, a rope, instead of a well-set hair, baldness, instead of a rich robe, a girding of sackcloth, and a branding instead of beauty. Isaiah 3, 14 through 24. Why? Because God hates a stiff neck. God hates a hard heart, a stiff neck, an arrogant mind. A stiff neck is a symbol of a wild, untamed horse, representing the emotional and corrupt aspect of our soul in the format of the uncircumcised heart and ear. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. If the heart would have been circumcised then the, and the ear, then they would not have been stiff-necked because to circumcise is to die in the death of the Lord Jesus for your corrupt desires. But they did not die. They decided with this will that they have and the mind that they have to serve God as Saul did. He said, I thought that this would be good for your God. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Acts 7.51-53 And now we will turn our attention to the symbol of the neck of a warrior in prayer, that is in the likeness of the Tower of David, of an armory of God upon which there's a thousand bucklers that hang and there are shields of the mighty men. These are the shields of the mighty men. A symbol of the neck of a warrior in prayer that is in the likeness of an erected tower of David for an armory of God upon which a thousand bucklers hang and these are the shields of the mighty men. This is a person who has built himself into an altar of the Lord. Motives that are God's motives representing the goals of God upon which he offers himself in the format of a living burnt offering uh, presenting his prayer that is brought to God in the format of his word. In other words, he's praying according to God's will. He's praying using the words that came out of God's mouth. Psalm of David, Psalm 35, 1 through 8. God wanted that people sing songs that were teaching these psalms that they would sing were also a teaching. They weren't just to be memorized because a song is easier to sing or to memorize because there's a melody, they memorize it. And it wasn't a simple song. There are a lot of songs today that don't really say anything about anything. They, that there's a sunrise, the, sun, uh, the name of Jesus may be mentioned, but there's no true teaching within the song. We need to uh, seek such songs where there's a true teaching, the meaning, a true meaning contained in the song. Ple plead my cause, O Lord, with those who strive with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Also draw out the spear and stop those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor who seek after my life. Let those be turned back and brought to confusion who plot my hurt. Let them be like shaft before the wind and let the angels of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord pursue them. For without cause they have hidden their net 
for me in a pit, which they have dug without cause for my life. Tolerant people with a tolerant mind will not pray in this way. They'll say, what, you're, you're cursing other people? He's clearly saying, do this to my enemies. For without cause they have hidden their net for me in a pit, which they have dug without cause for my life. Let destruction come upon him unexpectedly, and let his net that he has hidden catch himself. Into that very destruction let him fall. Psalm 35, 1-8. And so when we're just singing and saying, Lord, you do this, but teaching, uh, everything that God or David says in these Psalms, we need to confess because he speaks of the things God things that God has done. And so God says, Son, I've already done all these things. Begin to proclaim what I have done for you, who you are to me. This is what you need to confess. And when you confess this, then God then becomes our shield. That is when God, then that is when our neck becomes like this tower of David. A symbol of the neck of a warrior in prayer that is in the likeness of an erected tower of David for, for an armory of God upon which a thousand bucklers hang, and these are the shields of mighty men, is a person who walks uprightly before the Lord. Psalm 2, 6-8 through 8. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the, for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Proverbs 2, 6 through 8. He is a shield for those who walk uprightly. God gives wisdom. He gives wisdom to the one who is able to bend his neck. When we bend our neck so that we can bear the yoke of Christ because it is good, it is light, it gives us protection, it becomes our protection. Here, it's describing the symbol of a, a neck of a warrior in prayer, a symbol of the neck of a warrior in prayer that is in the likeness of an erected tower of David for an armory of God upon which a thousand bucklers hang, and these are the shields of the mighty men, is a neck that is bound with mercy and truth and tablets of the heart upon which mercy and truth is written. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablets of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and men. Proverbs 3.3.4 Favor is God's shield. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. My son let let not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence. Suddenly a, a war comes, or... or famine or whatever it may be, do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of 
trouble from the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Your foot is your actions, your direction. You will behave and speak in a way, however harsh the enemy may be, he will show you mercy when he meets with you. When Neron met with Nero met with Apostle Paul in judgment, uh, he actually justified him. He defended him from the Jews who not who did not eat and drink forty days and forty nights until Paul is no more. And so they all came uh, saying, look, we're against him. He, they, he violated our laws. But Nero had said he did not uh, violate the laws of Rome. And he said, I have many gods and a person has the right to serve any god they want. And so I don't see him. I don't, I don't see how he's guilty. You see how God is able to use a tyrannical human being like that and yet have this very person be merciful to his own. A symbol of the neck of a warrior in prayer that is in the likeness of an erected tower of David for an armory of God upon with which a thousand bucklers hang and these are the shields of the mighty men is a neck of the most beautiful of women, of women that the beloved is attracted and fascinated by. I have compared you, my love, to my filly among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with chains of gold. We will make you ornaments of gold with studs of silver. Songs of Solomon 1, 9 through 11. And so the neck with chains of gold, an interesting... So it's interesting, the place, uh, your neck, uh, this is the place where your voice comes from, where confession of God's faith comes from. A symbol of the neck of a warrior in prayer that is in the likeness of an erected tower of David for an armory of God upon which a thousand bucklers hang, and these are the shields of mighty men, is identified by having the following eyes like pools in the Heshbon, nose that is like the Tower of Lebanon that looks toward Damascus, head that is like mountain carmel and hate and hair on your head like purple your neck is like an ivory tower your eyes like the pools and so the neck is like an ivory tower and all this belongs to the neck that comes after because it holds everything else your eyes like the pools in Heshbon by the gate of Bath Rabim your nose is like the tower of Lebanon which looks toward Damascus your head crowns your crowns you like Mount Carmel, and the hair of your head is like purple. A king is held captive by your tresses. Songs of Solomon 7.4.5 He is captivated by her tresses. The neck is like an ivory tower uh, because she has tresses. She, she's uh, submissive to, to the will of God. And so tresses, this covering, the king is captivated by this covering, these tresses, and because of this, the neck, an ivory tower, he saw this neck as the ivory tower. Why does he 
say that your nose is like the Tower of Lebanon under this covering because this is the ability of a person who is under a covering or is covered who is obedient to the authority whom God has placed over them. He has the ability to differentiate the enemy who to uh, sense the enemy from a distance. This is a person who will see beforehand the enemy and will know what to do to avoid him or to keep walking straight and come in conflict with him or to avoid him or to uh, to ambush him from uh, by going a different direction and so God will give wisdom of what to do sometimes he'll say don't go straight go behind the the bush areas uh, as in symbols we see in Bible uh, God will give you the ability to understand because this nose is like the Tower of Lebanon, which looks toward Damascus, Damascus symbol of the carnal mind. You need to always look at what the carnal mind is trying to devise because we have the renewed mind. But somewhere deep, if we have bound this old man, we have put him into a prison. Rarely, when you will look into there, he will show his reflection. A symbol of the neck of a warrior in prayer that is in the likeness of an erected tower of David for an armory of God upon which a thousand bucklers hang, these are the shields of mighty men, is the ability to keep the commands of your father and the law of your mother. This is the neck of the beloved. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart, tie them around your neck, when you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, you they will keep you. And so we need to have a father and mother. A mother is Sarah, the church. And the father is the person whom God has placed in the church so that they can uh, lead it, so they can instruct it, give God's revelations. When you sleep, they will keep you, and when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandments is a lamp, and the law is a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life, to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. A evil woman is a church of specific of specific people people who call themselves themselves holy. Why is she evil? Because she has a flattering tongue. They deceive people. Uh, they, uh, using deceit, they uh, uh, draw people in. A pastor who stands at the door and s smiles and greets each person, and they ask me, why is it you don't do this? You don't stand at the door and don't greet every person. I told them that I'm not an usher. I'm, I'm the pastor. There's a different uh, role uh, that's being... Where did you see uh, uh, the high priest within the Bible that would stand at the door and greet every Israelite that would come in? They greeted the ushers and other people that were <clears throat> that would be in that place. If some American pastors may do this, uh, that doesn't mean all do it or that I need to. I'm not trying to copy anybody. If there's something good, I may take from that. But if there's nothing good or righteous, I don't need to take it, these customs.
The symbol of the neck of a warrior in prayer that is in the likeness of an erect, erected tower of David for an armory of God upon which a thousand bucklers hang, and these are the shields of the mighty men, is a symbol of the heart that is trained by being instructed in the faith and is used to threshing. When we will be trained so that we can thresh, we receive uh, the seed, the grains, and we then need to grind it into flour. And part of this grain needs to be threshed so that it can, if we will keep all of the grain in a bag and we won't sow it, then we won't have food in the future. So part of it needs to go for food, other for planting. So there is a seed again for uh, immediate needs or immediate uh, food so that it can, you can eat it and that you become stronger, so it strengthens you. And so it needs to be, you need to thresh, you need to grind it. And so when you go to cell groups, you then meditate about this, you confess, this is when you thresh. This is what threshing is. Have you given the horse strength? Have you clothed his neck with thunder? Ephraim is a trained heifer that loves to thresh grain. And so why, but I harnessed her fair neck. I will make Ephraim pull a plow. Judah shall plow. Jacob shall break his clods. And so Ephraim and Judah, in this case, Hosea 10, 11, 12, these, uh, we see here God's uh, promises that are contained in, the, in these names. Jacob shall break his clods. Sow for yourself righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Hosea 10, 11, 12. Break up the fallow ground, that is, that ground where we have not yet sown, but is a fruitful ground, is, and, which is, and ground that belongs to you. God doesn't want you to just have this land. He wants you to break it up and to sow there. And so break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. If we will not break our fallow ground, we will not be able to seek the Lord because our ground is what belongs to us but is in the hands of someone else. And to be able to break it up, you need to first conquer it, take it back. There are areas of our life that are not yet given into the hands of the Lord, are not subject to Him, and are not obedient to us either. These, This is that fallow ground that needs to be broken up, because it is not supposed to be in the hands of the enemy, it's supposed to be in our hands, so that we can sow there. A symbol of the neck of a warrior in prayer that is in the likeness of an erected tower of David for an armory of God upon which a thousand bucklers hang and these are the shields of mighty men is a symbol of the emotional horse the rider of which is our mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind. Job 39, 19 and, and lower. Have you 
Have you given the horse strength? Have you clothed his neck with thunder? Can you frighten him like a locust? His majestic snorting strikes terror. He paws in the valley and rejoices in his strength. He gallops into the clash of arms. He mocks at fear and is not frightened, nor does he turn back from the sword. The quiver rattles against him, where it says that he snorts, striking terror. And so in different, of course, languages, this may be described uh, may be described a little bit uh, describe these different types of sounds that animals may do, kind of like a rooster would do, cockadoodle do, and other ways of people describe. But in this case, we're talking about a horse and the snorting strikes terror. He paws in the valley and, re and rejoices in his strength. He gallops into the clash of arms. And so, as we could see here, he is a horse of battle. He is not afraid. But when a a horse, and so when a horse has a rider and he is a, a horse of battle, she begins to hear the quiver, quiver rattles against him, the glittering spear and javelin. He devours the distance with fierceness and rage, nor does he come to a halt because the trumpet has sounded. And at the blast of the trumpet, he says, Aha, he smells the battle from afar, the thunder of captains and shouting. Job 39, 19 through 25. This is the kind of horse that will die for its master and is not afraid. And so he asks, Have you given the horse strength? Have you clothed his neck with thunder? Where does the strength of the horse And why is it? Because the neck is clothed with thunder, acknowledging authority over over itself, the horse. When we have this kind of acknowledgement, then we, our neck will be in such a way that the Lord will be in awe of it. If in scripture the symbol of the donkey that Jesus rode upon when he entered Jerusalem is peace, then the symbol of the horse upon which Jesus will return for his millennium rule is war. And his and the saints also will be on white horses, if you remember. Proverbs twenty one thirty one, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. We conclude that an individual person who belongs to the category of the chosen by God remnant whose reasonable aspect of their soul is renewed by the spirit of his mind, and because of this rules over the emotions and leads them under the bridle, the scriptures identify this person as a glorious battle horse of the Lord, that leads the battles of the Lord. For the Lord of hosts will visit his flock, the house of Judah, and will make him as his royal horse in the battle. Zechariah 10.3 The neck of the horse of the Lord that is clothed with thunder, in the form of the covering of the Most High, represents a unique union of our renewed mind and the emotional aspect of our soul that voluntarily and gladly places itself in dependence of the renewed mind of our soul that trusts in truth that is contained in the heart. The emotions in the symbol of the horse of the Lord due to its dependence from the reasonable aspect of the soul that is renewed by the spirit of our mind will make itself known in the members of our body that are given to servitude, to righteousness, and in such areas. 
in strength given by God, a neck clothed with thunder, majestic snorting, striking terror in our enemies. He will paw the earth with his hooves. He will rejoice in his strength. He gallops, greeting any clash of armor. He mocks at fear and is not frightened. He does not turn back from the sword. He doesn't come to a halt because the trumpet has sounded. He smells the battle from afar and thunders of captains and shouting. And all of this is for one reason, because she is completely protected by the reasonable aspect of her soul that is renewed by the spirit of her mind from the tempts of governing sin in the form of the old person who lives in our mortal body, whose power has been taken because of the collaboration of the faith of our heart with our mouth. Looking at the neck of our emotion horse that is clothed with thunder is to be done looking at all of these components that are called to exist in a perfect balance, coming from one the other, finding themselves in one the other, and confirming the legitimacy of one the other. Upon practice, the ten components identifying our horse of emotion is a reaction to the threat that comes from our enemy within our body as well as out of our body that is called to make itself known in the members of our body that have been given by us as slaves of righteousness, just as we previously gave the members of our body as slaves of governing sin or old person. And so our emotional horse, together with our rider, which is our mind, which is renewed by the spirit of our mind, we will find them again in these ten components. And these ten components are the justice of God that will identify themselves in the qualities of the fruits of our spirit. First component that will identify itself in the power of our emotion horse of battle given him by God will indicate the fact that we have received the strength of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, where it says the strength given by God For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1, 5-8. through and so if our renewed mind will not collaborate with our spirit, with the, or with the Holy Spirit, then our neck will not be able to be great. Our renewed mind is placed in dependence of the reasonable abilities of our spirit. And the other, and our, ours from the Holy Spirit. And so then our spirit from the Holy Spirit. We need to keep in mind that the ability to receive the power of the Holy Spirit is in the ability to be led by the Holy Spirit. If we are led by the Holy Spirit, then we are children of God. If we are not led by the Holy Spirit, then you can't be called children of God because it is written that all that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Amen. Let us bend our knees and our heads and we will thank God for the word that we were able to receive today. Heavenly Father, 
in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you for the ability, together with your people, to bend my head before your mighty words. And thank you and be in awe of you together with the will of your horse of battle. You see, you look at your nation and you see a horse of battle. You see each of us individually as a horse of battle. And we, if we have understood the meaning of these words, that you want our neck to be that tower of David upon which there's a thousand bucklers and all of these are the shields of the mighty every truth every truth is your strength is your power and so every time when the enemy brings forth new power against us new attempts against us we use the shields we use the shields the truth that is necessary in this battle may your mercy be blessed and your truth Thank you that we can bind our neck with mercy and truth. When we are merciful toward our neighbor, we in this way bind our neck with mercy. When we are considerate of their weaknesses and forgive them for offenses that they have done against us and we have experienced loss or pain but when we show mercy we in this way bind our neck with mercy and this brings you joy you begin to become glad when you look at your horse of battle you see this covering of thunder may your word be blessed within our heart may it be confirmed now and forever May they not be placed for the devil within our heart, within our mind. Because the time is close. You have prepared for us something unimaginable. But you are beginning to show small amounts so that we can see our reward. And for the sake of this reward, we can sacrifice what others are not able to sacrifice. Sacrifice with mercy and consideration for one another. Because of this, you forgive then our sins. When we forgive those who have offended us, you have promised to forgive our sins. Forgive. We forgiving those who have offended us, we bind our neck with mercy and truth. For forgiveness, is the most difficult thing in life a person wants to but can't because he's looking at what he feels he looks at his wounded feelings and he does not understand how he can forgive when the feelings continue to burn but you have taught us not looking at the pain inside to confess with our mouth that information fulfilled that commandment that you have given 
and then you heal our wounds and become you stand between then us and our enemies thank you together with your nation and we worship before your holy words our great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen <laughs> 